left off in Luke, so if you're new to Connection Point Church, we've been working through the New Testament book of Luke and looking at Jesus in action. This is really as we get to see Jesus empowered by the Spirit, and he shows us an example of how we can live the same life as we are empowered by the Spirit. And so we left off with a message about stepping into the extraordinary life that we're offered in Jesus. But for that to happen, the, the passage we covered is Jesus going into the temple. He's come down from the Mount of Olives. He's in his last week, the, the Passion Week of Christ. And, and he goes into the temple area and he becomes distraught. And he flips tables. Why? Because the temple leaders were restricting access to the gospel or access to God for the nations, that they had taken over the space that was, was supposed to be open for the Gentiles to come and worship. They weren't allowing the Gentiles to come in and offer sacrifices, even though the prophet Isaiah said they would. So Jesus is upset. He starts flipping tables, the money changers tables. They take over the temple compound. And we talked about how for us to step into the extraordinary life that we are offered in Jesus, it is likely he might have to flip tables in our lives. And, and the question is, so I would imagine if you were here, you remember that message. Hopefully you didn't have to go to counseling afterwards, you know, from, from that message. With the, the loud bang of tables being flipped up here. Uh, but do you guys remember? So I just thought I'd quiz you this morning. Anybody remember what some of those tables were? Fear. Yeah, that was a big one. A fear or lack of trust in God. That might be a table that, that God needs to flip in our lives. I'll say one of the enemy's great tactics is to make us fear instead of live in faith. So he might need to flip that table. What else? Religion. religion. Yeah, religion. That, you know, we can go through the motions. We can show up on Sunday and, and just kind of, you know, put our time in. And that's, that's religion where God wants us to have relationships. So he might need to tip the flabel, uh, table. <laughs> flabel. It's kind of like a cross between fable and table. He might need to flip the table of... Of, uh, of religion in our lives. I heard distraction. Distraction's a big one. Uh, that might need to be one. Where we've got to, so many things that we can be distracted with in our lives today. He might need to flip that table. Any, anything else? There should be two more. American dream, the pursuit of the American dream. Man, that can be a huge distraction for us. So talk about distractions. American dream. He might need to flip that table in our lives. One more. Comfort and convenience. Our pursuit of comfort and convenience might cause us from not stepping into the extraordinary life we're offered in Jesus. Those are the five tables. And there could be others. I'm sure that we could come up with a list of other things that, that could keep us from stepping into the life that we're offered in Jesus. And here is the whole point. Every one of those tables can serve as barriers in our lives that keep us from being the witness of God to others. That's the whole point. Uh, the point of the temple is it was meant to represent the, the presence of God, that people could come and, and pursue God. And so it's the same thing for us. We are the temple. I read that verse. We are the temple today. We go out as people of God's presence and we are meant to be able to share God with others. But we can have things in our lives that keep that from happening. So what we were supposed to pray is, oh, Holy Spirit, show me the tables in my life that need to be turned over so I can step into the life that you have for me. Let him do it. I encourage, I encourage you, let him do it. And watch what God begins to do in your life. And so then after that passage, where we're going to be at today is, is the, the temple authorities. Shortly thereafter, it's not the same day, but they come and they approach Jesus in the same week. And, and they ask him, by whose authority do you do these things? And Jesus says, well, actually, I'm not going to tell you. But then he shares a story. God, I love Jesus. He really works in some unique ways. And that's the passage we're going to get in today. So they say, by whose authority? He says, well, I'm not going to tell you. But here's a story I'd like to share with you. 
So I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. We're going to get into that story in Luke chapter 20. It starts in verse 9 and goes all the way to verse 18. The heading on is the parable of the wicked tenants. So reading in verse 9, Luke writes, And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls in that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So the setting is, Jesus and the disciples, they have taken over the temple compound. Shortly after, the temple leadership approach him, asking about what authority have you done these things. And Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you, but here, let me tell you a story. And this story and the scriptures that Jesus quotes give us some clues as to how it is that we can receive Jesus and his mission. And let me tell you this morning, we need to receive Jesus and his mission. That's part of the point of this parable today. We need to. I would say we must. And so the first thing we find in this passage is there are things that can keep us from receiving Jesus and his mission. And the first is this, that our possessions, positions, and pride, our self-reliance, let me just put that in, our self-reliance can keep us from receiving Jesus. Our possessions, our positions, and our pride, our self-reliance can keep us from receiving Jesus. To understand this parable, you need to understand some of the setting of the first century. Most important is to understand what was going on with the temple leadership in that day. It's important to know that the Roman Empire appointed the high priest. It was a political figure, obviously a religious leader too for the Jewish people, But it was one assigned by Rome. And what's really important to know is that Rome took care of these religious leaders because they wanted them to help control the people in Israel. And so they were taken care of. They were very affluent. If you went with us to uh, Israel a couple of years ago, we got to tour some of the ruins of their former homes. I want to share some of that with you. So here's a, a video clip that shows you some of the ruins of their homes. The reason we can see them today is because in AD 70, the Roman Empire came in and they flattened Jerusalem. And when they rebuilt it, they just built it back on top. So these ruins would be from AD 70 in Jerusalem. So these were the homes of the the temple leadership. I've got some pictures that I can show you too, and you can just feel free to flip through those as you kind of paste those out. But what you'll find in these homes, a couple of things to pay attention to. Mosaic floors, They had their own mikvahs in this case, where they could have their own baptisms in their home. Uh, They had beautiful stoneware that they were using in their homes. 
They had these, these walls that were very expensive to install. They had to have Italian artists come in and put these in. And these were mansions. They were huge in a day where people lived in one-room homes. So the temple leadership was taken good care of by the Roman Empire. So when Jesus comes in saying, look, you have not done what you're supposed to do. My house, going back to the passage from a, couple of, from a few weeks ago, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Temple leadership, you've not done it. I have now come as a son of the vineyard owner. And what are you going to do? If you harm me, you're going to be removed from power. You're going to be replaced. God is going to come and destroy you. That's what he's speaking over the temple leadership, which is why they respond, surely not. They couldn't believe it. There was no way that this was going to happen. But yet at the same time, Jesus was a legitimate threat. He'd already taken over the temple compound for a day. He had a great following. He was welcomed with palm branches. His triumphal entry show us that. The people loved Jesus. The temple leadership did not. And what kept them from receiving Jesus? Their possessions, their positions, and their pride. And what does that tell us this morning? Those same three things can keep us from receiving Jesus in his mission. Those same three things. We have to be very careful that our positions, our possessions, and our pride, our self-reliance, don't keep us from receiving Jesus in his mission. Because they can. It's very easy for those things to stand in the way. So then the question is, well, what's the antidote? How do we make sure that our possessions, our positions, and our pride, our self-reliance, don't keep us from receiving Jesus and his mission? And the good news is, the answer is, is that we must live on mission for us to receive Jesus. We must live on mission for Jesus, for us to receive Jesus. That's the antidote. If we leverage our lives for the lost, our position, our possessions, and our our tendency towards self-reliance will not stand in the way of us receiving Jesus in his mission. So the question is, how are you using those things to advance the kingdom of God? How are you using your possessions to advance God's kingdom? We just had the, the Kingdom Builders miracle offering. And man, was it a great response to say, oh Jesus, we want to advance your kingdom. People use their possessions to advance God's kingdom. Is it wrong to own a house? No. But the question is, how are you using your home to advance the kingdom of God? How are you using your position in the community to advance God's kingdom? How are you making sure that you're not just relying on what you can do to advance God's kingdom? Because I need to tell you something. <laughs> We cannot advance God's kingdom. Only the Holy Spirit in us can do that. We have to rely on God to get that done. So for us to receive Jesus, we must maintain our our mindset of living on mission for him. Because here's what happens as you keep reading through that scripture. If we do not live on mission, we miss Jesus. If we do not live on mission, we won't receive Jesus. If we do not live on mission, we don't step into the extraordinary life he has for us. We'll miss it. There's two uh, things that happen at the end of this passage. The, the first is, is we have to receive Jesus in order to enter into the eternal extraordinary life we're offered in him. Jesus is the only way to live eternally. He is the entry point. He is our access to God. He is our mediator between God and man. He's it. So if you've never received Jesus, may I encourage you, receive him today. That's the only way you get to live eternally with him. Here's what we find at the very end of our passage. Here's what it says. And he sent a third. The owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. 
God sent Jesus his son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Sounds an awful lot like the crucifixion of Jesus. And when the owner of the vineyard, what then will the owner do? He said he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But then he looked and he said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls in that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls in anyone, it will crush him. You need to receive Jesus in order to receive eternal life. But there's another implication here because the whole point was that God was sending people to the vineyard to receive the fruit of the vineyard. So the thing for us who have received Jesus is have we also received his mission? That's the question we need to consider. Have we also received his mission? We are meant to bear fruit with our lives. We are meant to bear fruit as a church. Let me ask you this morning, what is meant to be the fruit of this vineyard, of this church? What's meant to be the fruit? What do you think? Souls, the lost becoming found. That's the easiest answer. Disciple makers who become disciple makers. But very simply, it's the fulfillment of God's big dream, that unreached people group wall out there, that every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. That's what we're going after here. That's what is meant to be the fruit of this vine, this vineyard. But the question is, is that our fruit today? You think about the the parables that we've covered, Uh, the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. What it shows us is God is in the business of redeeming people. He is in the rescue business. In fact, there's a divine download and blessing for those who participate in his business. But the challenge for us is sometimes as a church, we can be off doing something over here all on our own. Are we in God's rescue business? We need to figure that out. And we know that's the business he's in because Jesus' invitation to the disciples, from the beginning he says, come follow me and what will I do? I will make you what? Fishers of men. Matthew 28, he rises from the dead before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. He says, now go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, which is what? To go and make disciples. That is meant to be the fruit of the vineyard. But the challenge for us is if we examine the church today, our church and churches across this country, in large part, we have forgotten how to do the one thing we were called to do, how to really reach the lost and make disciples. And part of the reason I have this conviction is last week, I was in meetings with pastors all across the state. We do this annually. We come together, we gather, and and we talk about the state of the church. And it's been well known for some time that that about 85% of churches are in decline in our country today. That's not new information. But what was new for me to to understand is they talked about how less than 1% of churches in the U.S. today, they're reaching the secular lost. And here's what I mean by that. that. That up until the 1990s, the majority of our nation, the majority of people in our nation, had Judeo-Christian worldviews. But in the 1990s, as we had more and more access to the world because of technology, the majority flipped. And in the 1990s, then in our country, the majority worldview was of a secular worldview. And we're at a point now today that two out of every three people have a secular worldview. So things have changed in our country, but we've kept doing what we've been doing as a church because for so long it worked for us to reach those with Judeo-Christian mindsets. But the challenge for us today is how are we doing reaching the secular lost? 
and it turns out we're not doing real good. Less than 1% of churches in the U.S. are reaching those with a secular worldview. That's a challenging statistic for me. It bothers me. Does that bother you? It bothers me. So what that means is, although 15% of churches are growing, less than 1% are reaching the secular loss. What it means is 14% of churches, and let me say this is us, we're reaching those who at least still have a Judeo-Christian worldview that maybe at some point they had exposure to church, maybe at some point they were a part of the church, and we're continuing to see uh, us rescue those two, and that matters. But what also matters is we figure out how to reach the secular lost. We have to figure that out. That really has been the conviction that the Lord has been putting in Shelly and I's heart for a long time now. And I'll say, we don't yet know how to do it, but you'd better believe we're going to figure it out. God wants us to figure it out. Don't you know that? Do you think God wants us to reach the lost? His heart is that none should perish. And so we need to figure that out together. And here's why this matters, because here's what I know. If we don't figure this out, when you look at some of the parables of Jesus, they challenge us. And there's one parable in particular that bothers me. Because it says if we don't figure this out, one day we close our doors. Go back to to Luke chapter 13, the parable of the fig tree. We already covered this parable. We applied it personally, but I'd like to apply it corporately this morning to us as a body. So Luke chapter 13, verse 6, the parable of the barren fig, fig tree. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. I I don't know that we have a theology that says Jesus closes churches. But this parable tells me there are times where Jesus closes churches. That's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for me to know this morning. 96 churches in our country will have their last service. They will close their doors. That's the weekly average. Every week in the U.S., 96 churches close their doors. And so what this parable tells me There's two things I know as it relates to those churches today who are having their last service. We're sitting here talking about this while 96 churches are experiencing this. And two things I know. Number one, Jesus is in the midst of those services right now. He's walking up and down the aisle. He's comforting those who are mourning the loss of that church body, who are are mourning the loss of, of that church that's closing its doors. But here's the other thing I know. It's probably been a very long time since that church has done anything to reach the lost in their city. Those are the two things that I know. We, as the vineyard of Jesus, are meant to reach the lost. And the question is, what are we doing to get it done? Are we going after it to figure it out? And the challenge for those churches that are closing their doors today is they ask, well, how can we be closing our doors? We felt Jesus here today. And all that that simply means, the overarching promise of Scripture is one of God's presence. That's the promise we have. And so all that present shows us is that Jesus fulfills his promises because it says in scripture where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst of them. It says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. It says that he supplies the, the seed for the sower as we give. It says that he listens to our prayers as we pray together. So all of these things are true. But what we need to understand this morning is presence does not validate a body's existence. Presence, this is really hard truth this morning. 
Presence does not validate a body's existence. Jesus can be in the midst of us and we can still miss his mission. Let that not be said of us. Let that not be said of any church in the U.S. Part of my encouragement, so I'm sharing some hard truths this morning, but I also, before we go out the door, want to encourage you this morning to say, God is at work and he is showing us a way forward. So my heart as I read these challenging parables is, thank you, Jesus, and your loving kindness, you show us your way. And then the question is, are we willing to walk in his ways? And here's the difference. Are we willing to go where Jesus is going to be a part of what he is doing? Or are we going to keep asking that he comes and simply blesses what we want to do? We need to go where Jesus is going. He's advancing his kingdom. He said he would build his church. That's the promise. And the gates of hell would not prevail against his advancing kingdom. Are we going to be a part of his advancing kingdom? Help us, Lord Jesus, to be that. Help us to be your hands and feet to the greater Lafayette area where there's 150,000 who are lost. Do you think he wants them lost? Absolutely not. He wants us to be a part of reaching them and he wants us to show us the way to do that. But it might look a little bit different than what we always do. And, and so then the question is, well, what's my part in that this morning? And so let me encourage you in two ways. Number one, all you really need to do is make sure that you're on a pathway that leads you to becoming an everyday disciple maker. I think we've got a, a, a slide for that. I've shared this before. This is what we're going after. And it's going to take us still a year or two to get all those things in place. But this is where we're headed. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, the question is, have you found a place of belonging here? This is the last week for you to sign up for connect groups for the summer. Have you signed up to start to get to know others in this body? You need other believers in your life. You have to have other believers in your life to stay steady and steadfast as a follower of Jesus. So I encourage you, sign up for a connect group. So maybe you've got questions. In the fall, we're going to launch our, our connect group for Alpha. And that's a great place for you to ask questions. But we don't want you to just to keep asking questions. We want to help you to continue to grow and become a member of this body like you saw here this morning. We want you to be serving alongside others. Why? Because you need other believers in your life that are going to help you become more like Jesus. But keep going. We want you to get involved in. So our Good and Beautiful series and Emotionally Healthy series are connect groups that are like pre-mentoring. They help you to start organizing your life with a mentoring mindset to say, Jesus, I want to become like you. And then we want you to become a part of our mentoring groups to help train you to become an everyday disciple maker. And I've been pretty honest to say, look, we're still figuring this out. Because God wants us to learn how to become everyday disciple makers, but we've been doing something else for such a long time, it's going to take a little bit to figure it out. But I do know that this is a good pathway forward because I got to talk to a lot of pastors this week who are all asking the same question. What we're doing isn't working. We're not reaching the lost. What's the way forward? So my encouragement is, this is where we're headed. If you'd like to be a part of that, man, I'd love to talk with you about that. So now I've got all kinds of meetings I get to have. That's all right. Because Jesus wants to build a church. Guess what? We can't do it alone. We need every church in the greater Lafayette area to help get it done. Not even all the Assemblies of God churches can get it done. We need to talk to all of our denominations, our brothers and sisters who are of like-minded and like faith to say, Jesus, build your church. So in response to this message, you only need to do one thing. Get on a pathway to becoming an everyday disciple maker. That's it. It is our job, Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which is so much more than running a soundboard or singing in a worship band. The work of the ministry is you becoming an everyday disciple maker. If we've taught you how to run sound, if we've taught you how to sing songs and haven't taught you to be a disciple maker, we've messed up. And I'm not okay with that. I want to help you become an everyday disciple maker. What are we doing to get that job done? 
So two things that need to happen on a Sunday morning. We are meant to encounter God here. And we get to as we sing songs. We get to as we take communion. We get to as we pray together. We get to, in so many ways, experience the presence of God. And we need his presence because we cannot get this done on our own. So Jesus, we say, we need you. Thank you that the promise of scripture is presence. But we also need to understand that the theme of the Bible is mission. So Lord, help us receive your promise so that we might live in your theme to live on mission for you. All over from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about the mission of God. And we're invited to be a part. In our prayer time this morning, we get together with, with the music team and we pray. And, and one of the prayers that was prayed, it was, Oh Lord, help us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And let us not look at this passage as rebuke, but let us look at this passage as invitation. So can I challenge you this morning? The theme this year is you're invited. You are invited to step into the extraordinary life you're offered in Jesus. But what that looks like is you saying, Jesus, whatever is in the way of you doing what you want to do, get rid of it. Jesus, wherever I have gone astray, help me to get on the right path. Help us to do that. So we need the presence of Jesus. But the other thing we want to see happen on a Sunday morning is going back to the the chart that we had is helping people get on pathways toward extraordinary living, which is becoming an everyday disciple maker. So where are you at on that pathway? If you're not on one, get on one. If you haven't signed up for a connect group, sign up today because they they start this week. Wednesday is the launching of connect groups for the summer. So don't miss a week. Even if you're going to go on vacation this summer, it's okay. Come and join your connect group for the weeks that you can be here. My heart for you this morning is to know God is at work. Jesus is building his kingdom across this country, but it does look a little bit different. Uh, One of the ways, I'm on a monthly phone call with pastors across this country and, and talking about what we see God doing in our nation today. You know the areas that we're seeing the best growth of the kingdom of God? In prisons and apartment complexes. Do you think people in those places struggle with possessions? Like, what's somebody in prison own? A toothbrush? Right? We can joke about those things, it's okay. <laughs> they don't struggle with possessions. They don't struggle with position. Like, what's your position in a cell? What, what is your, your struggle with pride or self-reliance? So those things are out of the way, and so God can advance his kingdom. But I would say he can still advance his kingdom even if you own a home, if you have a job. Why? We just have to make sure that those things are leveraged for the lost. Oh, Jesus, build your church. And I'll say we got to see that here about a month ago. Some ladies from our church, they went to one of our women's prisons in the state. 165 ladies showed up for that meeting. It was a gospel meeting to say, we just want to share Jesus with you. And they said, you know what? We're here. Where are we going to go? We might as well show up to this meeting. And by the time they got to the end of that meeting, 98 ladies made a decision to follow Jesus that day. 98. Isn't that amazing? In one day, one day, 98 people came into the kingdom. Jesus will build his kingdom. The question is, are we going to be a part? And I want to say, I'm going to be a part. We're going to figure it out. We want you to be a part. And so may you just step into the extraordinary life you're offered in Jesus. Jump on one of those pathways, wherever you're at. To say, I want to grow, I I need to be set free, I I have questions, or I'm ready to go, I want to become a a church planting mentor. Whatever it is for you, get on a pathway so that you might step into the life God has for you. I want to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And I'd like to encourage you to say, we can reach the 150,000 lost in the Great Lafayette area. We can absolutely, now can we do it alone? No. 
We're going to have to see a lot of people getting together, linking arms with other pastors, other churches to get it done. But we can get the job done. God wants to reach the lost. And he's showing us a way forward. The question is, will we step into it? So Lord, help us. But maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But today you'd say, I want to follow him. Because at the end of that passage we read this morning, there was two invitations to basically say you're, you're invited to receive Jesus. If you don't, you don't step into life eternal. And you're invited to receive Jesus and become a part of his mission so that you can live that extraordinary life. But maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus. You, you've never said yes to him to become a follower of his to, to be guaranteed of life eternal. But today you'd say, I want, I want to follow him. So if that's you today, why you, with every head bowed in this room, I just want to pray with you before we leave today. Anybody say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be my, my Lord, my, my Savior. I want to follow him with my whole life. I want him to save me. I want him to show me the way forward. Anybody today that say, that's me. I want to, I want to follow Jesus today. So let's look at both of those, those results. Let's look at the second invitation today. second invitation today is, just to say an acknowledgement of, you know what? I want to step into the mission of Jesus. I'm telling you, God is at work in our country. And it's just a matter of, are we going to go where he's going? And so today, if you'd like to say, you know what? God, I want to go where you're going. I don't want to put rules and restrictions and boundaries on what that looks like. Jesus, I just want to follow you. I want to figure out what it looks like to be an everyday disciple maker. If you'd like to make that commitment today, and I just want to pray with you as we, as we close. Anybody say, that's me. I want, to, I want to commit to that this morning. I want to figure that out. I want to figure that out with you. Let's, let's figure out what it looks like to reach the lost in our county. Let's figure out what it looks like to, to help other churches figure that out too. God, I pray for all those that raise their hands, that have a desire to, to follow you as an everyday disciple maker. Jesus, I pray you'd activate them toward ministry. I pray for special revelation in their lives, that they might know what it is to follow you with all of their lives, that they leverage everything in their life for the sake of the lost, all of their possessions, the position you've given them in community. Lord, I pray that we would not be self-reliant, but Lord, we'd be God-reliant. Lord, help us depend on you for all things, to be led by your spirit, to be shown the way, Lord, and that we'd walk in that way. Jesus, we just want to follow you. We don't want to be replaced as your parable shows us, Lord. We want to be in the middle of it all, to be able to be a part of the fruit bearing that, that you desire out of this vineyard here. Lord, help us reach the lost. Help us uh, know the way, Lord. And I pray we'd walk in it. Jesus, I just pray that we live for you all of our days. And Lord, as we close in song right now, I just pray we commit this song to you. God, we just thank you that we can worship you in song. Your presence can be upon us, Lord, so that we can be people of your presence in the world. And so Lord, help us do that. Help us be those people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.